Hey guys, Deandra here. Welcome to the first episode of Outside the Game with Blue Wire Pods. I started this podcast because I felt like there were a lot of stories in sports that we just weren't hearing about. I thought this would be a great platform for it. This episode was really important because not only do athletes struggle with mental health, but so do the rest of us. Dr. Don Brown is an official provider of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Behavioral Health. She has her own company called Mental Healthletics, which focuses on sports psychiatry. She was so much fun to speak with. And if you've ever been to therapy before, this episode is definitely going to take you back. We talk about Naomi Osaka, but really just athletes across the board. She provides her professional opinion from a psychiatry standpoint. And she also gives some insight as to where media and organizations could find a happy middle ground. Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open last week, citing mental health concerns. With that came a lot of conversations and also a lot of criticism, which to me was kind of disappointing to see as somebody in the media. Um, This conversation definitely existed long before last week, but I think we're seeing it on an elevated scale. So today we have Dr. Don Brown on our show and get ready for this. She is a double board certified child, adolescent and adult psychiatrist. She's also a sports psychiatrist. She's internationally recognized two-time number one bestselling author, Forbes writer, speaker, mentor. She's the founder of Mental Healthletics, which is a company that specializes in sports psychiatry. And she's also the CEO of ADHD Wellness Center. So I'm so grateful to have you on here um, to provide your expertise. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. For me um, personally, uh, this, and I actually read a lot about your bio as well. So I'm sure this kind of hit you as well. For me personally, this whole situation hit home because A, I do work in the media. So you do see the way that reporters treat athletes, they're questioning their relationship with athletes um, around the human aspect of sports. We don't see much of it in journalism, Mm -hmm. but also I'm somebody who was diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety disorder a few years ago. So I think maybe I view it in a different light and I'm sure that you do as well. I do. And you're exactly right. I mean, the media actually humanize the athletes for the fans, right? For the spectators. So it's very nice for the media to have that personal relationship with people that we admire for their sport, but to get to know a little bit about them behind their sport. And so I can understand even when um, Naomi commented, for example, that, hey, I, I know a lot of you, you all have been nice, but this really is about a personal decision for my mental health right now that I'm going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And I applauded her for that. Um, but as a psychiatrist, I, I actually humanize people too when they walk in my office. So I definitely felt that. Um, it's, it's interesting because there's so many aspects of this, right? Um, we're not what we do. Um, we're human. And so when we try to um, tackle those human things that need to be tackled, it's difficult to separate those things that are part of our sports. Even though it's not a part of what she does on the court, it is a part of what she does for tennis. And so, yeah, it, I, I, I can only imagine how difficult it has been for all sides in a sense. Yeah. There has to be clear boundaries as far as the media goes. And I hope that we can get there the more we talk about this, but athletes do run such a high risk of having mental health struggles 
could be injuries, um, the pressure, spotlight, social media is can be so toxic. Um, and then they have whatever they have going on in their personal lives, right? Because they are human beings before they're anything else. My heart broke for Naomi Osaka because this is not the first time that she has you know, sounded the alarm on her mental health. Do you think maybe if we could have offered a compassionate solution, we could have had a different result with her playing in this tournament? Most definitely. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Um, I think that her major win against her idol, Serena Williams, and at that event, it was actually a, a win for her. But remember, there was controversy surrounding that win. And so I'm not, you know, in Naomi's head, but I can only imagine just from there and then going on and, and, and carrying these things as baggage, right? I mean, she's won four consecutive majors. She's the highest paid athlete as of last year. She's very young, brilliant, talented. And yet, you know, her personal side, as we can all see, she appears as a meek, mild and humbled and shy person, right? When, when engaging with the media. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think there should be boundaries. I don't believe that an athlete should be required to have these brilliant social skills in front of the media because that's not what they're there to do. As a fan, I'm not there to see them in front of the media um, to you know, show their skills there. I think there's different ways that athletes can communicate and have a, a good relationship with the media to get the story um, to be broadcasted. I don't think that it has to necessarily be um, in the spotlight for all to see, especially when she's dealing with a mental health condition that it could exacerbate that situation for her and, yeah. and cause some triggers and like PTSD related symptoms. Yeah, mm -hmm. you never know. I mean, not everyone's openly talking about that they have PTSD and sometimes uh, what I noticed too with my PTSD is I had it for a while before I realized what was going on. You know, it, it manifests in different aspects of your life. So athletes could have that and not even know, and it just triggers, you know? Exactly. And we should be listening to them. I mean, like you're saying, she actually broadcasted that. And when you actually are aware and you're informed, and this is something that you have, it is, should be simple. It really should be easier for them to be able to reach out and receive the help that they need so that, as you stated, something that happened, what, a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't be a media headline. It would right. be a different story. Right. <laughs> it would be a different story. Right. But, but the great thing about this, Deandra, and I probably, I'm, I'm sure you can agree with me, is that this actually brings things to light. I mean, this is an international stage mm -hmm. that she's actually opened the door to, Right. So when we're talking about other sports that have the same type of engagement with media, I mean, this is something different. I mean, tennis relies heavily on media because it's an international well-known sport. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we can have the conversations and action could be followed by these important conversations for athletes and for, for the world. Yeah, I, I hope so. I wanted to kind of pick your brain on this, but mm -hmm. if, if we, the media, <laughs> if we were to find a healthy balance on how we can still cover these athletes, but also have the awareness and look out for athletes and their mental health and well-being. Where do you think that middle ground would be, say, for press conferences? Is there a specific process that you think would um, put those practices in place? You know, when I thought of, when I think about this and how we can improve the experience um, for, for the athletes, particularly, mm -hmm. I thought about the foundations, the actual organization. So, for example, the WTA, um, or the NBA, the WNBA, any of these um, organizations, mm -hmm. maybe if they can meet with the athletes team 
and get an understanding. And if the athlete is willing to communicate that, hey, this is something that I do better at or something I don't do so well at, and can we try this different approach? You'll get the story, but it's just not in this type of way because it really does interfere with my mental wellness. Yeah having those type of conversations could be very vital. So with Naomi's situation, because she's vocal about it, I believe that her team could meet with these different types of organizations and work out a solution that's not going to necessarily affect her. And then also criticize her or even, you know, prevent her from playing the sport that she loves and going to work. Right. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have come down to that type of decision just because she didn't want or feel comfortable in talking to the media. So yes, I think there are certain different avenues that could be approached that is good for the athlete, but yet and still the media and the world could get the story. Yeah. And, and people will probably get mad at me once I say this, but there has to be some accountability on the media, you know, Honestly, I, I keep thinking of Serena Williams, but I mean, some of the questions that she has gotten in the past are irrelevant, right? Exactly, exactly. Even if they're preformed questions, right? I mean, these are these are typical redundant questions that a lot of the athletes I work with kind of get, get triggered by mm-hmm. because, again, it's not necessarily the actual sometimes it is the content of the question being asked and we all know the answer, but I know that media has to do their job as well. Right. So we don't want to criticize them to that extent, but I do believe that there are certain questions that we're like, "Mm, we can reform that a different way or some questions that many athletes feel that are kind of disrespectful or very critical Mm -hmm. and criticizing. The other thing about it is that when they ask these questions, right? So for the NBA or WNBA, for example, they can't get off the floor until these questions are asked and they haven't had a chance to process the game, what they did. Because a lot of these athletes, of course, think they can always do better, even if they won the championship. And so, you know, they don't have the ability or the time to process what's just happened. So you're getting these raw emotions that may be coming out unfiltered, and it may not necessarily be against the actual person that's asking the question, but it may be an internal reflection of what this athlete just experienced, especially if they lose. Yeah. So, you know, we have to talk about that too. So that's a part of that component, right? The pressure, which I was going to ask you down, you know, down in the interview, but yeah, the pressure of being a child athlete and then working your way up, trying to get into professional sports, then you're there and you don't want to lose that opportunity. So that's just added pressure to all of this. That's right. That's right. Because not everyone necessarily sees the entire game, right? You see these snippets of when you come, you know, converse and have a conversation with the media as well. Absolutely. There's so many layers to this. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I specifically remember First of all, when I think of mental health, I also think a lot about the USA gymnastics um, situation. And I specifically remember a post-competition interview with Simone Biles. And Simone hadn't even gotten off the floor yet. She had just finished. Obviously, she won because she wins everything. Um, And so, but still, she had spoken out multiple times about the abuse that she experienced with Larry Nassar. And she had stated that... I think it was a few days prior to that, that she wasn't going through therapy until after the Olympics because it would be so traumatic. Right. And she, there's no way for her to focus on both things at once, Mm -hmm. but then she had gotten off the floor or she was still on the floor. She had just finished competing and they immediately asked her about the Larry Nassar situation. And she was visibly crying in this interview. What lines of questioning do you think just in a basic and a regular game or situation could trigger an athlete or cause anxiety. Um, Like you mentioned, uh, losing a game is a big one. I don't think people realize that. 
<laughs> yes, losing a game. And then also vocalizing that you're not, you, you don't want to talk about something mm-hmm. as well. And, 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 and maybe not in those terms or those words, but actually having a conversation of how this has impacted me. This is something I don't want to involve in my competition. So this should be off limits, mm-hmm. right? And if, you know, someone goes against that, then there should be some consequences that are involved in that. Because yeah. that's not the only time that's happened. And it's happened, you know, again, in, in certain other areas. And then also with other athletes, like with Coco Golf, for example. Yes. Um, you know, the other thing is about, um, I would say, of course, we all, I know the media has to ask about, what the media I know wants to know is the mindset of the athlete. Yes, what that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is. Right. Did you think you do that and what was going through your mind when you were competing against your idol you know these are the questions because I think that they want to get the personal story of the mindset of an athlete someone that is not able to you know copy what that person is doing but basically tell the story that this is a gift so if we can get as close to the gift as possible it's the mindset of what goes into the athletes right or or what's going on with the athlete and I think if we stick with that if we stick mm-hmm. with that story, especially in that moment of the competition, regardless of whatever's going on outside of that, that should be something that we could actually use as a guideline. Because I think in that moment, the athlete can be prepared because they mm-hmm. can be truthful. They can, you know, be, you know, share the truth about what well, this is what mindset I was going through, or I just not haven't been able to process it yet. But, you know, from, from as far as what I know, you know, this is kind of the, the situation mm-hmm. and, and you can get the real, real right from that moment. And I think that all the other factors should be left out because it doesn't have anything to do with them being on the job. If someone came to our job and right. asked about something different, of course, I know it's a different scenario, but how would it make us feel? We right. have to really ask ourselves that. Right. And we can always have those conversations at a, a different time when that person is ready. So it respects their boundaries. Yeah. Respecting boundaries is so big. And honestly, if you think about it, just from a human aspect, right? If somebody is coming at you with something that's uncomfortable or gives you anxiety, you're not going to open up to them anyways. So, you know, create a safe space. If if I feel like any relationship that I have in journalism, um, you know, I try to do that. You create a safe space and people are more inclined to open up to you anyways, if, if they know that you are not going to bash them online or, or humiliate them. Um, so I totally agree with that. That's right. Exactly. And, and it, it becomes with a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. The media has a relationship um, with the athletes that they're interviewing. And so I believe a part of that safe space is just kind of the the ongoing relationship that tells them that, hey, I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to respect you. And, you know, these are the type of the questions. Hey, let me check in. Is this an appropriate question that I can ask you, even if it's outside, you know, the boundaries of whatever you all discuss? Do you think it would be okay if we address this? Um, but you able to, if you have a relationship, those type of things can happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I am so for that. I know we, we were kind of talking about this, but there are so many different layers to this conversation. This part is something that I haven't seen really mentioned. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. When you look at a league like the NFL, right? The majority of these players, the overwhelming majority of these players are black and brown. When we see what 
happened this past year, especially, but you also look at the systemic racism in this country and you've seen athletes over and over again, speak out on the generational trauma they've experienced from the, the second that they were born way before they become professional athletes, but then they carry that with them. Is that a conversation that we need to be considering and, and aware of? Because that's before they're even professional athletes and you add everything else to it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Because I can only imagine if they were some, if they did another career, mm-hmm. right? If they were, were, you know, sought out something else, would they still have the same conversation? Would they still be able to speak out about their, you know, views and opinions um, without feeling uncomfortable or, you know, spectated? Um, Yes, I I do believe this to be true. And a lot of athletes, like you're saying, don't even identify the word trauma with how they've, you know, uh, actually have matriculated or matured into the field or to the professional arena. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them don't even associate the word trauma with it. Some of them just say, I had to get out of the situation. Um, this was something I wanted to do for my family. This was a gift that I harvest. And then, you know, and then they carry that baggage. And then when they see themselves in the media or, from, you know, hear about their friends from the community or just see someone unknown, but that looks like them again, it's devastating. It's devastating. And then for them to be able to speak out as they should, as anyone other else would want to if they wanted to do that they should be able to do that yeah be able to do that and I think that using their platform should be okay because it doesn't necessarily transact what they do as an athlete on the sport and still you know play Mm -hmm. versus you know what their personal beliefs are about themselves or their community um and it allows them to be human again yes Right. And so they have to find their own release. I mean, think about the athletes. Let's think about from a different aspect of them not speaking out mm-hmm. and having to deal with this and going to work like nothing's going on. Yep. But having a platform where they can feel that they can make a change. Mm-hmm. You know, partly I feel that they deserve to be able to do that because they've deserve to be on the platform they're on and no one should politicize that in any way. Um, I think everyone does that in a sense. Right. And so they should be able to do that as well. And we should be able to respect that. We may not necessarily agree with all the views that they have, but we should be able to find a happy medium and respect that as well. Right. And that's almost therapeutic also to be able to speak out and help, help other people is also a therapy in and of itself when I was writing this out, I'm thinking about like social media. And when you would see, I'm taking myself back to last year, you know, you're like, Oh my God. Um, But you think about when athletes would speak out rightfully. So they lived it, they've experienced it. And they're finally able to speak out on it. And they're getting death threats um, across a computer screen that alone adds such a thick layer to this conversation. It does. It does because they feel as you know, I had one athlete that I spoke with, mm-hmm. similar situation, um, he was being threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when he spoke out, it, it's as if he was actually seeing him really seeing himself like, you know, this was going on as far as his mindset of being, you know, police brutality going on in his community, mm-hmm. a person that was actually killed was a personal childhood friend of his. And then when he spoke out in his community about it, um, to different, you know, media outlets, that's when you see the threats. He's as if, well, now they're targeting me. 
And all I'm doing is just trying to, you know, share my views on this and help our community and get through this because this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yes, it's therapeutic. And it also can be devastating when your message is not received with the intent that you want to, you know, show forth. And so it's, yeah, they have to be able to deal with that and another layer of pressure on them as well. You're exactly right. I wanted to hear what you think some good solutions um, for organizations would be to help their athletes support their mental health and well-being. I really hope this conversation I mean, this was so big. I hope this is the beginning of changing this culture. Yes. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a big thinker. And so when I think about Naomi's situation, you know, she's actually not employed Mm -hmm. with the tennis organization. She's actually a contractor, if you will. So when I think about, for example, on the American soil, like the American Disabilities Act, I think that those things should apply to athletes. Um, especially if they're employees. So what that means is that every organization should have like an EAP, like an employee assistance program, where they actually have access to um, make make sure that athletes have the access to mental health wellness or mental health help. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that the NFL is doing a great job. I'm a part of that, you know, in in serving the NFL community, um, active and retired. The NBA is doing a really good job in making sure that, you know, athletes have access now, just because athletes have been speaking up about this. Mm -hmm. And I think all organizations should have some component of mental health um, care uh, and make it easily accessible for the athletes Mm -hmm. so that they don't feel uncomfortable and they feel, you know, that this is something that I well deserve. (laughs) And this is something that I, it's part of the program is not necessarily um, something that I should be shamed about. Um, but something that everyone should, you know, receive um, in, in, in their sport, because not only do we have to take our physical health, we have to take our mental health. They preach it every day. It's just in a different form. Yeah. And so mental health is everyone has mental health. Not everyone has a mental illness, but everyone has mental health. So that should be enough to make sure that um, mental health care is actually something that they should receive and maybe in, you know, in, in the inner organization, but there's someone like me that we can contract it, that they can also seek help from as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also just the more that we have these conversations, right? Because the culture of sports is like, you got to be tough. Like you got to push <laughs> through it. You know what I mean? But there's so yeah. many people that are struggling in silence. That's right. That's right. The more and more, and we're seeing that, right? We're seeing it from Kevin Love, Keon Dooling, Naomi, Serena Williams, you know, Simone Biles, Coco Golf. I mean, the more and more, you know, Michael Phelps of various organizations, sports organizations. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to happen. It, it, it does. It needs to happen. The more and more of these athletes are talking about their personal stories and sharing them, the more that their comrades are going to join forces with them, the more they're going to get done. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, yeah. So, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we support them as this continues to serve them well as well. <laughs>